Okay, so that is a huge parsha. You know, again, uh, unfortunately, I feel like I say this every week. We're not going to spend too much time on it, not do it what it deserves. But you know, to run through it quickly, obviously, Yaakov's dream with the ladder upon his departure from Eretz Yisrael, right? Uh, Hashem promises to take care of him. Uh, Yaakov meets Rachel at the well when he gets to Haran, right? They have the whole discussion with the people, uh, the shepherds waiting there. And that's, you know, to, to, why don't you get everybody, give the water to everybody? Oh, we're waiting for all the shepherds to go. Yaakov rolls the rock off. Okay, fine. Uh, Yaakov meets Lavan. He contracts himself to work seven years for Rachel. Uh, Lavan obviously deceives him. He ends up marrying Leah instead. Uh, he, Yaakov then marries Rachel, agrees to work another seven years, and then uh, I feel like people get this timeline wrong. He marries Rachel seven days after marrying Leah, and then works another seven years uh, for for Rachel. Uh, all the children in this parsha, except for Binyamin, uh, are born. Right? Yaakov marries the Shifchas, Bil and Zopa. Right? Reuven brings the Dudayim back for Leah. Rachel takes them. Right? The whole back and forth with all the all the all the kids. Uh, Yaakov works another six years. Trying to make a parnasa, uh, you have a whole aliyah. I think it's Hamishi or Shishi with the sheep, the, the speckled, the spotted, the striped, whatever it is. Right, Lavan tries to tries to scam him by changing his wages ten times. Uh, Yaakov has another dream. Uh, you know, calls his wives to the field, says it's time to get out of here. Uh, and sure enough, he runs away with his whole possessions, his whole family. Lavan runs after him. Uh, Rachel steals his avodazaras. Lavan search for them. Yaakov curses whoever took them. Right, obviously, and Rachel ends up passing away next week's parsha. Uh, when Lavan doesn't find them, Yaakov goes off on him, starts yelling at him, you know, I, I worked so hard for you, etc. You tried to scam me, you tried to cheat me. Lavan doesn't really say anything. He just says, well, let's make a bris, let's make a treaty. And sure enough, they do that. And finally, Yaakov meets angels on his way back to Eretz Yisrael when he calls that place Machanai, and that's how uh, the Parsha ends. So, okay, just uh, get a couple of topics. Again, I apologize again for not uh, having so much time to uh, prep a proper shear, but a couple important things. First of all, um, Obviously, uh, this Parsha is highlighted by the dream, the dream that Yaakov has, the ladder, the angels going up and down. Uh, a couple uh, Ha'aras, we'll talk about, uh, talk about that, we'll just kind of focus on that. Um, the first one actually is a, probably Ha'ara uh, and toward the end of the Parsha, because if you notice at the end of the Parsha, Yaakov actually has another dream. So after 20 years in Lavan's house, right, Yaakov suddenly decides it's time to go home, right, he has 14 years, just to recap, 14 years, for his wives, another six years making a parnasa, Lavan cheats him, changes his wages ten times, whatever. Finally, Puzzik says that an angel of Hashem appears to Yaakov in a dream, tells him to go home. Right? We don't see that in the first person, right? We know this only because Yaakov tells this to his wives right, when he calls them to the field and tells them that. But it seems kind of random that the angel just appears randomly after 20 years, right? Why 20 years? Right? The 14 years, okay, you had to learn, you had to work for Rachel and Leah, six years making a parnasa, six is a random number. So what's the deal with that? So Shmuel Golden has a beautiful, beautiful insight. As I mentioned, Yaakov has two dreams in this parsha. The first one is famous, and the second one is less famous, right? Yaakov is telling Rachel and Leah, he said, I was dreaming and when the when the sheep were mating, um, right, that, that, that basically, again, the Pesach says, Vayrev ha'chalom vayinei atudim olim alatzon ha'kudim dekudim ha'kudim the sheep are mating, vayomer elam alach elokim. And then Hashem, um, an angel of Hashem, calls to me ba'chalom in, in a dream. He says, Yaakov, I say, hineni, right? He says, check it out. I, I'm taking care of you. I'm taking you, care of you parnasa-wise, right? And I want you to go home, right? So that, that's, that's, what, that's the second dream. So what, what is interesting Right, again, it points out of uh, Golden, is that the first dream right, Yaakov had when, after spending 14 years of Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever, right, his mother told him to, to go find a wife, he spent 14 years of Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever, 
He goes and has a dream on the way to Lava. Right? That, that was a dream of angels and ladders, right? A spiritual revelation, right? That angels were accompanying him to the border and beyond there. It's Israel, right? Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. And Chazal talk about that ladder, right? Rooted in earth and reaching to the sky is a metaphor for humans, right? That we have the potential to be, bring the physical to the spiritual and grow to unimaginable heights. Okay. Right? We're cutting it short for, uh, for time's sake. The second year, the, the second dream, though, right? After six years of shepherding is all about the sheep, right? He's dreaming of sheep mating. That's all he's dealing with. Right? It's an entirely physical, mundane, earthly, parnasa dika dream. Right? Says Rav Golden, when your dreams change from angels to sheep, right? when your dreams change from ruchmias to gashmias, then it's time for an intervention. Then it's time to go home. Right? And that's Dafka why the angel appeared to Yaakov, because the whole time, okay, fine, if he was using his parnasa, obviously we're not trying to criticize that Yaakov's goals were in the wrong way. Obviously Yaakov was one of the avos and had tremendous, tremendous... Yerushalayim, and obviously everything was was you know were glot and focused on spirituality. But right, the second his dreams shifted, right, perhaps that was like okay, maybe it's time that you know maybe it's time to go back uh, to focus on on the ruchnias. And this is a huge, huge, huge lesson for us because we think of dreams as things that just kind of like you know come and go. But to kind of shift a little bit our our mindset in terms of dreams. What are your dreams, right? What do you want to do in life, right? Where, what do you, what a person dreams about? Yes, the Gemara says that, you know, there's no dream without any shtiyot. Uh, you know, okay, fine, right? Obviously, dreams can be ridiculous. But when a person has dreams in, while he's awake, that's usually the dreams they have when they're sleeping. Or at least, at least the dreams that they have when they're sleeping are indicative about what they're thinking about when you're awake. And the question is, what are your dreams, right? What do you want to go in life, right? Are you thinking about your neshama or your guf, right? Are you thinking about how to accomplish spiritually or how to accomplish physically, right? Are you trying to figure out when you can get into dafyomi or do this chazad or do this tzedakah? Or are you thinking about that next big promotion? I mean, obviously, you're allowed to have ambitions, you know, again, make a parnasa, etc. But is that your dream, your focus, Right. What's your focus? What's your dream? Right. I always I like to quote the, the Gemara and Makos and Daf Yudam Abayz. Right. Rashi quotes it by Bilam in, uh, in Parshas Balak. Gemara says, the road to The way a person wants to go, that's the path that Kosh Baruch takes you down. The path you want to go is the path down is the path you're going to take. If you want something, right? If something is your dream, right? Then it'll come true. Right. I like to tell a story about my brother. My brother. Uh, was training for his first marathon in, in 2012, uh, New York City Marathon. And uh, if you lived in New York City in 2012, which I did not, but if you did, you, were, you will know that 2012, uh, in right about that time, was Hurricane Sandy. So sure enough, uh, the marathon got wiped out. Um, and he's obviously devastated. But okay, right, listen, whatever, perspectives, fine. So he trained again for the next year, right, so 2013. Uh, and uh, a week before the marathon, he was playing football. And he stepped in a ditch or whatever. He pivoted one way. I'm not sure exactly. And he almost broke his ankle. He had a what's called a high ankle sprain. Uh, and if anybody knows anything about sports, so high ankle sprains take weeks to heal. Maybe may have been even less than a week. It was a, a few, that's a, a number of days before the marathon. He had a high ankle sprain, and he literally walked into the. Uh, I forget the place where it's called. Uh, I guess it's uh, the Javits Center, maybe wherever they give out the race gear on crutches. And he walked up to, can you imagine this, the guy walks up on crutches to the desk by the full marathon and says, Hi, my name is Ari Herman. I, I would like to 
to get my marathon stuff. And they must have laughed at him. They thought it was somebody else. So sure enough, what happened? My brother got his gear, went to the marathon, and ran a full marathon on a high ankle sprain. I asked him afterwards, did it hurt? And he said, every step. Every step of it hurt. But he did it. Why? Because he had been training for two years already. He had missed out the last time, and he was so stoked to go do his marathon. That's what he wanted. That was his dream. That's what he wanted to do. Right? will give you to accomplish whatever you want, regardless of what's going on in your life. If you want it badly enough, right, then, you know, then you'll get there, or then you will get close enough to the point where you know, will give you or you'll get put on that path. Right? A person needs to decide what your dreams are. What your dreams are will dictate what direction your life goes in. Right? Whatever, you, whatever you want to accomplish in life will dictate who you marry, who, you, where you settle, what you choose to do as a profession, how you spend your free time, who you interact with socially. Right? Again, I'm not telling you what your dreams should be. Obviously, I, I hope they include some sort of spiritual accomplishment. But what you, a person needs to think about what their dreams are and what a person wants in life because whatever you want will be whatever you do. And whatever you do will eventually dictate whatever uh, whatever you are and what people look back at and remember you by. Okay, um, that's point number one. Point number two uh, about the dream, uh, there's an unbelievable incentive. And uh, it, it's such an obvious point that I was embarrassed not to think of it myself when I, when I read the incentive. I'm actually not sure if you should say amen. I probably shouldn't have said that on the recording. I'm not sure about the halacha about saying amen when you hear a bracha on the recording. Anyway, talkless. <laughs> My apologies. Anyway, the uh, Puzzik says, look at Puzzik says, That um, basically, promises to Yaakov, one of the things he promises is that, you know, I'm going to be with you, right? I'll take care of you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to Israel, and I won't leave you right, until I've done all the things that I listed, right, beforehand, right? Your, you know, your, uh, your, your zera will be like uh, dust of the earth, etc., etc., right? Uh, meaning, Gosh Baruch Hu will take care of you on this journey to Chutzlaretz, uh, and and uh, you know, and, and do all the things that he promised to do. It says in the Tziv, I don't understand. Hashem said to him, I'm going to take care of you. And what's the last part of the Pazak? And I'm not going to leave you until I do all the things that I promised to do. Implying that after that, Hashem is going to leave him? Like, what, what, what kind of promise is that? Hashem's giving him a list of, right? He's got a bullet points, right? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, as soon as I finish this checklist, I'm out. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean? So, and Siv says, unbelievable shot. He says that B'nai Yisrael are, yes, Kosh Baruch is promising to protect us in Gullus. Kosh Baruch is going to give us extra Saturday to take care of us in Gullus. But, once we come back to Eretz Yisrael, then we have to earn it. Then, fascinating, you would think it would be the opposite. But Kosh Baruch is saying to Yaakov, I'm going to take care of you in Gullus. I'm going to take care of your children in Gullus. But once we come back to Eretz Yisrael, so then we have to, then we have to, Earn it on our own merit. And that promise does not hold true for future generations. And sure enough, uh, what do we see? I mean, the Jews, uh, Yaakov's generation, uh, descendants were exiled several times. Right? And we're obviously hoping there won't be another one. But uh, it's a fascinating incentive. And it's so powerful because nowadays we kind of like cruise on this notion 
that you know we grew up a lot most of us I, I would imagine at this point were born with uh, you know being able to go back to Eretz Yisrael without no problem right? without any problem whatsoever with jumping on a plane and getting there and going back to Eretz Yisrael and settling here and having you know uh, whatever they want falafel shawarma halo teman whatever but we kind of ignore the fact that this is a gift from Akash Baruch Hu, and we have to earn it, and we have to continue to earn it. Right? We can't just slack here. It can't just be like, oh, you know, not that anybody does this, but I'm making Aliyah and I'm chucking Judaism and I'm going to live God knows where. No, it's 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 together, right? We get Eretz Yisrael because we keep the Torah. We get the, we we get Eretz Yisrael because of the Torah. So the Torah is comes takes precedence, right? I feel like people very often don't have that, or at the very least, we, we take Eretz Yisrael for granted simply because that's all we've known our entire lives. But it says in the Tzib, no, Akash Baruch Hu is, is, is reinforcing to Yaakov's descendants, and it's important for us to hear it. And we, go, we need to earn it. We need to accomplish it. And again, it's coming out for Rahman al-Salam, I'm not saying it's, a, it's anybody's fault, but uh, you know, al-Salam, last week there's a terror attack, or a week and a half ago there's a terror attack, and a kid in my neighborhood got killed, he went to the Leviah, paid a shiva call. Terrible, devastating. It's, it's those reminders that remind us that, like, hey, listen, we are not fully dominant in Eretz Australia. We do not, uh, you know, have the entire land. This is not the Gula. It might be, it might turn out to be, but it's not right now. Uh, and we have to earn it. We have to, you know, up our game uh, if we're expecting, uh, expecting to keep it. Um, right? Both in Chutzlarz and in Eretz Yisrael. But okay, either way, that's, that's just a fascinating sieve. Uh, and finally, just one more. Uh, Rav Melech, uh, Rav Melech I think it points out unbelievable shot. Uh, at the beginning of the parsha, right, again the Hasidic Sharebas, right? They're they're so good at taking the Torah and not twisting it, Chassid Shalom, but kind of showing us right the messages Lodoros. Uh, that yes, there's a narrative going on, but there's also there are also messages for us, right, for later generations, uh, both in the form of the text and the form of of what's going on. Basically, says Ramelech, a very simple question that I, I wish I I thought of: Why does a Baruch Hu Show Yaakov the dream with the ladder. Why does he show him? With the, why does he show him the ladder? The ladder is, has nothing to do with what Hashem tells him. Hashem tells him, "I'm going to take care of you. Right? Don't worry. Your children will inherit this land. Right? I'm going to take care of. They're going to settle all over. Uh, all this land that you walk on, right, is yours. Uh, the other nations of the world will be blessed through your children." Uh, and Yaakov wakes up and says, "Oh." Shem, talk to me. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this dream is so, that this land is so holy. Like, what, 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 like, Hashem doesn't even mention the ladder. Like, okay, we know that, uh, fine, you know, we know that, okay, the angel is going up and down from Rashi. Okay, fine. We, we see that, uh, that vision that we quoted before, but, right, that your children will be like the dust of the earth, unable to be counted. You don't need a ladder, right? It has nothing to do with anything. It's like almost completely unrelated. Uh, so there are, I would imagine, that there are other uh, interpretations, but Ramelech just just hits the nail on the head. An unbelievable chat for us. If a person, is, especially if a person is in a difficult portion uh, of their life right now, when he quotes the Medrash, the Medrash says that Yaakov, right, the Pesach says, Vayifgabamakom, that he met the place where Yaakov was going to Haram and Vayifgabamakom, he kind of met right, the place where, whether it was Luz, or like, or like, depending on who you hold, like, and I've shown him, right, like, whether it was Haram Moria, like, like most people assume, or other parashat on him say it was just a hotel in Luz, or whatever, either way, um, he just met the place, and the Medrash says that, Nasa Ha'olam Kulo Kamin Kosa that the whole world was made as if there was a wall, right, on all four sides, and Yaakov had no choice uh, but to stop uh, at that place. And he says that Yaakov, at that point in his life, like, think about it, what's going on, Yaakov is 
running away from his brother who wants to kill him. Right? So he has no home. He's running towards Lavana Russia. He knows who he's going to. He's going to be in the house of, of Russia. Right? Trying to marry one one or more, it turns out, more of his daughters. He's going to Chutzlaretz. He's in a very, he's just left the base manager for 14 years. He's in a very dark place. Theoretically. And what is going on in addition, right? If you know what's what's the ladder, right? What's happening in the ladder? The ladder is Dimbo. Right, the angels going up. Right? Rashi says that it was the angels of Eretz Israel. The angels are coming down, the angels of Chutzlaretz. But as Rashi says, right, Olim Tchila, right, Yordan. Right, they go first. Right, the angels of, of Eretz Yisrael are going first, and then the angels of Chutzlaretz are coming down. Meaning that while Yaakov was having the dream, he was not surrounded by angels whatsoever. Imply, meaning that if you really are Midayik, and what he says is that basically the angels of Eretz Yisrael went up, and the angels of Chutzlaretz were coming down, but at that moment in time, during the dream, there were no angels escorting him anywhere. I mean, he was by himself. And at that moment, the Pazik says... And Hashem was standing over him. In other words, as Rashi says, L'shomro, to take care of him. Right? That's what Akash Baruch wanted to show him with the ladder. The dafka in the moment, in the point where it seems like everything has gone to Gehenna. And things are dark. And he's running away from a brother who wants to murder him. And an uncle wants to cheat him. And, and uh, all this type of stuff. So, and there's no one who will take care of him. He has walls all over the place. The walls shoot up. He has no place but to sleep. And no choice but to sleep in the place where he is. At that point, man, things look terrible. Really, Hashem Nitzav Allah. Really, Kosh Baruch right, is the one who's taking care of you. Right? And that's uh, Hebrews from, from you know, many other places. But he said, just to, to keep it short, but uh, Kosh Baruch Hu is, is, uh, is the one who's looking out for us, uh, even when we don't see it. Right, even even though when we don't see it, right? He quotes, uh, for example, the Yechazkal Dafka saw the the Merkava outside of, of Eretz Yisrael. You know, Dafka to show that Akash Baruch was going to take care of us in Gullus. Uh, right, okay, say that we it goes through some more, uh, but that's really the point. That it really, if you look at the perspective from Yaakov Avinu, really things looked bleak, things looked bad. No angels with him. Walls again, metaphorically, obviously, shooting up to make sure he couldn't go anywhere, running away in the middle of nowhere. But Akash Baruch Dafka at that point, Vashem Nitzav Alav, that Akash Baruch was standing over him to take care of him. The Shom Rose, Rashi says. And that's something that we need to also focus on, that we also need to internalize, that even though things look bleak, things look bad, so it's not only Akash Baruch Hu, uh, is not, not only is it not bad, but Akash Baruch Hu is the one who's ta- orchestrating everything uh, to get to to get to this point, just to you know, just to kind of bring it to a personal note. Uh, again, I'm not giving away too many details, but I, you know, we had some uh, some health issues in the family, and uh, you know, yeah, obviously a person has a choice to you know to despair and say why me, or they can focus on and think about you know the things that they can work on in their lives, and they can see you know try and see the Yad Hashem uh, through all of it. Uh, I just, uh, I, for me personally, I, I thought that I was a good davener, I, I, and it turns out, right, after the, during this tukufa, when I've really tried to focus my time on davening, that I was davening like a, like a three-year-old. I've, at least, before this all started, my davening is a completely different place. That, you know, okay, so, so it could be that, you know, if, uh, you know, whatever reason, 
Gosh Baruch Hu needed, uh, you know, my davening to get better, and this is the impetus. Ah, obviously, you can never say that, but a person has to look for the messages in, in, in everything, right? Pazik says, right? Yitzchak davened for, for Rivka. I think that's where Rashi quotes, right? Why were the, the Avos and the Imahos barren? Because Gosh Baruch Hu wants to hear the Tfilos of Tzadikim. I'm not saying that I'm a Tzadik, but very often, right, there are certain things that happen in our lives, and Akash Baruch was looking for us to improve in one space or another. And the only way we're going to get there uh, if Akash, is if Akash Baruch puts us through those trials. I can say for sure that, you know, without, uh, for example, just in this in this scenario, that my davening would not have increased uh, in this type of, type of way, you know, without this uh, type of health ordeal. So, Baruch Hashem, you know, again, Nisim and flows, and we continue to have Imun Bitoch, and everything will be okay. Um, but that's, again, always super, super important to remember that Akash Baruch is always with us, always Hashem Nitzavalav, He's always taking care of us behind the scenes. And Mitzvah Hashem will be Zohar to have Imun Shlema, right, and see the Yeshua's, uh, see the Yad Hashem through everything in our lives. Have a great Shabbos.